0: Thanks for listening to Covenant Church Podcast. We hope that this message is exactly what you need to hear. And I'm like, somebody needs to unplug 2020, let it sit for a while, and plug it back in and see if we can fix it, right? And then like all the other ramifications of what this has meant, and I look around the room and know that different ones of you have experienced in different levels of extremity your business, your livelihood, your concern for people you're caring for, and, and I'm going to preach on joy. <laughs> Uh, And there could be nothing more appropriate uh, because joy is so different. You know, happiness cannot coexist with suffering. But um, joy actually can endure in the midst of suffering and turn into perseverance that builds our character and something beautiful comes out of that. That's what Romans 5 says. And we're looking at at Philippians chapter 3, and and I think uh, to preach on joy at a time where I don't even you know that, that song we used to teach kids, uh, at least when I was growing up, about thousand leggers. You know those disgusting little thousand leggers? <laughs> and the song was that the thousand legger lost a leg, so he was going to have to learn how to get by with 999. Uh, and I feel like we all have had like thousands of things that we didn't even realize kept us happy in life. And like we've laid down a bunch of them. We're still, you know, at least I feel incredibly blessed, you know, like in the 900s of blessings. But but we've had to lay down these things, and, and, and the song goes, you know, I'll find a way to get by with 999. Uh, but we can feel the, the absence of those things. And I know at least for me, the staff gets together for uh, not only continuing the ministry of the church, the church has never shut down. We just had to shut down our facilities, which is a serious and shut down meeting with each other, right? Um, so we would get together for doing work of ministry together, but also then to pray together. And I feel like I'm the most messed up of the staff in terms of like sharing, when we'd share like, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, on the extrovert scale, I'm like, if, if 10 is... You know the top i'm i 'm somewhere in the teens, so this is driving me nuts uh, and then i 'm a little bit of an empath with nowhere for it to really be expressed so So I feel like, you know, I've been the most needy in some ways. And I've got nine people living with me in my house. It's crazy. It's like, it feels like a herd of animals runs through the house. And I was handed the remote control last night, and I was like, wow, what is this? Because I hadn't touched it for like months because someone else had control of it, you know. Uh, And so I should be buoyed up and helped, but I just, you know. uh, So I'm encouraged when I read surveys that say a third of us in america are experiencing a degree of depression and anxiety because of covid so yeah sign me up for that and i'm preaching to you on joy so let's dig in and get real we're looking at um, the apostle paul in a prison uh, and he's exhorting encouraging and even commanding them to joy it seems a little weird to command someone to joy Uh, but you know I don't find as a dad uh, or as a husband, it's ever helpful to tell someone they ought to be joyful. Try that on your teenager if you have a teen. You ought to be more joyful. Give them a good sermon, give them a good teaching. Paul doesn't simply give us a teaching, although we're gonna draw some sweet nectar from these verses. But Paul gives us something better than a teaching. He gives us an incredible example Because he's in a hole in the ground. Now, I don't think this is the Roman imprisonment. I think this is something earlier. uh, Scholars like N.T. Wright would say this is his Ephesus imprisonment. Some of you have been to Rome, and some of you have even told me that you've gazed into the prison that was the hole in the ground with no light and evidence of rats and other vermin. That's where Paul was kept. Some of you may feel like this quarantine you've been on is a prison, but it's not a hole in the ground for any of us as far as I know. And here's here's Paul writing these words out of concern for the church. And we're going to break this down about joy. We're going to see how we need to fuel it, how we need to guard it, and how we need to test it. Those are my three points coming out of this. We're going to fuel our joy, guard our joy, test our joy. So we're going to draw all the sweetness out of these three verses. Hear the word of God. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you look out for the dogs look out for the evildoers look out for those who mutilate the flesh for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of god and glory in christ jesus uh, and put no confidence in the flesh how could Paul write these words and embody them uh, when we know from chapter one like he isn't even sure that he's going to live to see another day he's like I don't know whether I'm going to get out of here uh, alive or whether I'm going to depart and be with Christ uh, and he's writing this in a sense command first of all commanding joy can you really command an emotion what's he saying Are, we're going to force it uh, that won't work <laughs> we're going to fake it that's hypocrisy or we're just going to forfeit it and say, okay, well, of the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the things Jesus commands me to do, I'm, just knock, I, I'm off the hook for joy because things are difficult. Well, this, this verse is saying none of those. It's not saying force it. It's not saying fake it. And it's certainly not saying forfeit it. It's saying fuel it. And that's why he says rejoice where? In the Lord. He's saying fuel it. There is a place, there is a person and we're not talking about information, and we're not just talking about doctrine here. We're talking about an experience that is accessible uh, because here's the good news I think we've all learned. God never socially distanced himself from us. I hate the word social distance. Why did we call it that? Why don't we just say physical distance? We're not socially distancing, right? But God never does that. Uh, and he, so he says, rejoice in the Lord. In Psalm 16 says, Lord, in your presence... Are treasures forever. At your right hand, there is eternal joy, is fullness of joy. At your right hand is fullness of joy. In your presence is the fullness of joy. Uh, one, one example of this that should just show us how powerful to be in the actual real presence of Jesus is, is in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus is in utero and in Mary's womb, and John the Baptist is in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth, as she greets Mary with Jesus in the womb, in utero, she says that John the Baptist in utero leapt, I don't know what it felt like to her, but leapt for joy at the presence of Jesus in utero. That to be in the real presence of Jesus is more than sufficient to counteract the flatness that we feel. I mean, Zoom meetings are really not fun, right? One of my daughters is a kindergarten teacher. She was trying to do that. You know, we've discovered, like, some things just really don't work. But also, Zoom meetings just, they are, they flatten us. Meetings that usually would have given me a dose of encouragement, it just kind of flatlined, right? We're all being pressured and flatlined, but there is one meeting and one person whose presence can fuel our joy. And, and so, uh, again, when the, the joy is commanded here, it's in the Lord, it's in Jesus. I think of those words from the book of Habakkuk. If you know that strange little prophet, and he says, though the fig tree shall not, profit, shall not prosper and there be no fruit on the vine and the yield of the olive tree shall fail and the earth produce no fruit. Though the sheep be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stall. It was like agrarian disaster, right? It's as though everything is failing in my farm. He says, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. Yet will I rejoice in God, my savior, God, the Lord. And and that's really what what he's saying here, the power of Jesus. So that when we're going through difficulty, and we're all going through them, there's always huge static in our mind. There's static in the background of our lives. That does not mean that I am exiled from joy, because my joy is in the Lord. So sometimes uh, we're going through those seasons, but it does not have to eclipse our joy in Jesus. I think of Psalm 96, which says that when Jesus returns to earth it says all the trees of the field are going to clap their hands basically that things that look like their vegetation are going to so be enlarged that they're going to look more like they are from the animal world and i think um, i think it's an old sermon by jonathan edwards but he talks about how when jesus fully glorifies us. We cannot even imagine uh, the, the senses and the ability of our senses. And, and you know, it's like if you've, if you've never had a sense of smell or taste, or you've been literally colorblind and only seen black and white, you know, and you suddenly get the capacity. There's this famous video this guy who's given glasses, right, to see color. And he's just like, he's never seen color before. And he's like, all of a sudden, he's just melting down crying. That that is a dim reflection of what the presence of Jesus. That, that he overcomes the flatness that we feel. Uh, and, and again, this is a joy that, is, that can stand in the midst of sorrow. Happiness can't live where, where there's sorrow. Uh, when sorrow arrives, happiness dies. It can't stand pain. But joy in Jesus can withstand all grief. You can, really, you can be in grief, you can say, I'm grieving, but I also there's a sense in the bottom that, that the joy is not removed because in the grace of God, the joy of Jesus transfigures suffering into, into endurance, into character, and into hope, and, and our joy does not die in the midst of suffering. So praise God, we can fuel our joy through, through Jesus. But the second point I want us to see, and he moves to it right in verse 2, is that we need to guard our joy. And he says, look out. There are joy thieves and there are joy stealers. We are responsible. You and I have a responsibility for our level of joy. We're not just victims. I believe the Bible teaches us that we are never victims. Uh, and um, that we can do something. We're never helpless victims. We can do something in the midst of that. And so guard your joy. Don't let other people rob you of it. Um, Don't let the furious squalls and trials that you're in rob you of it. There is an ability to, to guard your joy and to put some boundaries around it, uh, and to put some boundaries between yourself and people or places that consistently demoralize you. You're responsible. You and I have the freedom to say, no more. Uh, And he singles out here a particular one. He says, look out, basically, this is about the legalist. This is one of the big meta-narratives, overarching themes of the New Testament, was, is there an insider nation You know, are the Gentiles kind of getting in on the coattails and they've got a, you know, they're suspect and they're really on a deficient path. And um, the reality was the book of Acts solves that. It says that Christ fulfills everything needed so that our access and relationship with God is unfettered and free and full. But there was always this sense of relapsing and going back to the old way. And these teachers were called the Judaizers and they would come into the church and they would basically try to say, you're not really good enough through Christ. Christ is not enough to complete you. You have to complete the rituals of the Old Testament law and particularly this rather indelicate um, surgery for an adult man called circumcision. Uh, And, um, you know, they had to overcome the resistance to that, but they they were trying to get people to say that. And so here's Paul's stance on this was not just this is this will dilute the power of the gospel in your life. Paul's stance on this is if you add something even a Old Testament commanded authorized ritual to the cross of Jesus Christ and what he has done you haven't just diluted the gospel you have absolutely abolished and obliterated the gospel. The best way I know to think about it is there was a movie, I think back in the 80s, called Cliffhanger with Sly Stallone, some of you remember that movie? Um, It it actually had an impact on me because I think I'm a little bit afraid of heights and I knew somebody was climbing some stone mountains at the time. Uh, And uh, it took place, I think, in in Utah where these huge rock formations and they would send this cable across. And one of the horrific things in the movie is this woman falls to her death because the cable breaks and gives. But I think like, how much, if you, if you say, well, I've got some rope in my pocket. I could, uh, you know, take off a t-shirt and tie it together and I could, how, how little uh, would you need to add to that cable to render it absolutely unable to bear your weight? And, and that often is what people say like, okay, well, Christ does 50% of it and he brings me halfway and then I'll do the 50%, I'll get myself halfway. And here's the reality. It's not 50-50, it's not even 90-10, it's not even 99.99 feet plus one feet of what you and I can weave together. It's not even 99.9 tenths and add one little thing because whatever you add of your own cannot bear the weight. And, and here he's saying the fullness of our access to God is, is, and again, this flattens and unites everybody. It's a radical subversive message of the gospel. And Paul says, those people are dogs. Now, Paul's having some fun here. Because do you know that what the Judaizers did is they said, if you don't keep the Jewish law, you're a dog. And dogs, in their day, and I love it that the Judaizers, these villains of the gospel, were the ones down on dogs. We tend, we don't understand in our society, um, we don't understand dogs in the same way. Um, By the way, I just got a dog. Uh, and he is awesome. I mean, uh, I was so happy to show him to uh, Rob and Darcy Bloss. Yeah, Yadkin. I showed him to Darcy and Rob Bloss. He can already sit. He's already potty trained. He's only 11 weeks old. He's so smart. Um, I'm gonna get a bumper sticker that says, my miniature schnauzer is smarter than your honor roll student because I, he is. Um, he is so cool. Yeah, look at that. I mean, and he has already broken down barriers. Like, we're like, well, he's not going to get on the couch or bed. And it's like, hey, first I steal your heart, and then I steal your couch, then I steal your bed. Right? I mean, it's just like, and, and so that's, that's how we think of uh, dogs break that down. But not in Paul's day. And to call someone a dog was something that a legalist, somebody who was sanctimoniously self-righteous, would say of the unwashed. And Paul here is taking their their insult and he's throwing it back at them and he's saying, watch out for them. They will steal your joy. Here's the thing, joy can coexist with suffering, but you know what joy cannot coexist with? Entitlement, pride, self-sufficiency. I deserve it. This is how the gospel, uh, you know, restores us. It's the oil of joy for our mourning. (laughs) It's the garment of praise for the spirit of despair because the the gospel completes this. And so um, this is why it's so important to have gospel joy that's rooted in a grace we do not deserve. And here's what you and I know. Um, Duty can never compel us to do anywhere near what joy will propel us to do. Duty might cause you to give $1,000 away. Joy will cause you to give $10,000 away. Duty might cause you to kind of timidly mention that you're a Christ follower. Joy will cause you to, I don't know, throw a surprise birthday party extravaganza and honor someone and build bridges of love and devote your life to pour yourself out so that that person can hear the love of Jesus through your life. I mean, so duty... Can, can't compel you to do anything near what joy will propel you to do. Uh, from the parable of the hidden treasure, remember the guy says, there's the pearl of great price there. I'm going to sell everything I have to get it. That's the joy of knowing J- Jesus. And here's the reality. There is no act of duty that you, can, you and I can do for God if it's joyless that will bring Jesus honor. June is my birthday month. Do you guys have birthday months? I have birthday months. So, like, it's, you know, and so, but like, my wife enjoys, like, getting a challenge from me, like, what kind of birthday cake? And I'm like, okay, well, I want, like, a caramel uh, butterscotch birthday cake with uh, salted caramel and uh, hazelnut, uh, you know, and and, like, and she'll throw together, and I want three layers. And like, she loves that. It sounds so entitled, doesn't it? (laughs) But I'm just serving her joy because she loves to do it. She does. some reason she loves me, (laughs) you know, and, but I wouldn't ask her to do any of that if she was like, oh no, here comes his birthday again, here comes, you know, you can't love Jesus and do it without joy, you can't, you can't serve him with, without joy. Um, I remember in this, I was, I was in Zimbabwe with a bunch of, uh, of, of, White Rhodesians, uh, former Rhodesians singing this, this little song about joy. And it says, joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart because the king is in residence there. You know, at Buckingham Palace, you know, that was a sign. <laughs> Royalty's there. Joy commends Jesus to other people because they say, wow, the one you serve sure does make you happy to serve him. Um... And so, this is so important. Do you all know who Jackie Hill Perry is? She wrote the book, Gay Girl, Good God. In a lesbian relationship, and a lesbian worldview, now transformed and won to the gospel. I recommend the book. Here's, Here's a quote from it. She writes about the Christians who ultimately led her to Christ. And she says this, she says, why hadn't they ever mentioned the place that happiness was going to have within righteousness? Or how my taking up the cross would be a practice of obtaining delight. Delight in all that God is. And that even their savior that they were telling me about, Jesus, had this kind of joy in mind as he endured his cross, so why hadn't they set their focus on the same? Uh, You know, in their defense, they were not to blame for my unbelief, but I just wonder if they would have told me about the beauty of God just as much, if not more, than they told me about the horridness of hell, uh, I might have burned up my idols at a faster pace. Joy makes us swift in obedience. I, I... I love Johnny Cash, but I love there's this interview with Johnny Cash. And I had to ask my kids, do you know who Johnny Cash is? And they're, yeah, okay, good. You should. You have a deficient education if you don't. But then I said, Do you know who Barbara Walters is? (laughs) And some of them did, some of them didn't. Barbara Walters has this interview with Johnny Cash. And she asked him, she says, You're a religious guy, because he's like a Johnny Cash, if you don't know, he's a sold-out Christian. And uh he says this, he says, Barbara. Um, I don't use the word religion, because religion is for people who just don't want to go to hell. But Christianity is for people who've already been to hell. And she's like, what? Johnny, you, you actually, she says, will we? You believe in hell? <laughs> and he says this, he says, yeah, I've even been there. Because, you know, like he was on he was an addict, attracted to the wrong things, just destroying his life. And by the way, we're all addicts, addicted to the wrong things, destroying our lives. We're all in the same boat. We all need to be in a recovery group called, you know, the gospel and Jesus. But I love that. And it will steal our joy if we ever lose that sense Someone said, many people lose the small joys and hope for some big happiness. The big happiness, though, really exists. It's Jesus, and to be in his presence is fullness of joy, and there's no need for forcing, faking, or forfeiting your joy. Um, What do we need to do finally? We've looked at how to fuel it. We've looked at how to guard it from the joy-stealing thief of legalism, of feeling that we haven't been completed in Christ. Now we need to test it. And here's the test in verse three. There's three tests here. He says, for we are the completed ones. And so Paul's here saying, it's very, this is really interesting, because Paul's proclaiming, you don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to follow the Jewish ritual. But now he's saying, we are the Jewish ritual people, because Jesus has fulfilled all that for us. And here's three tests as to whether Jesus is functioning in this way. He says, first of all, we worship by the spirit of God. What that means is there is a level of freedom and access that needs no temples, no rituals, no priest, no sacrifices. We worship by the Spirit of God. Do you know that was so radical that Christians look like atheists? Because they're like, where's your temple, Jesus? Where's your priest, Jesus? Where's your sacrifice, Jesus? Where's your rituals? Jesus kept them. We worship by the Spirit of God. And this also means a degree of liberty and expressiveness. Now, the singing is not improved with the mask, I will admit. But there, it just does my heart good, and I'm sure you experience, like to see us at least bent in the same direction in worship. And I'm thinking, maybe we're gonna learn some new things that we can express. Do you know, now we have enough room between the aisles, we can dance a little more. Um, we can clap our hands, and that doesn't spread the virus, and we're not having to catch our breath through those mask and but the expressiveness and freedom of worship and i think of the woman who washed jesus feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and he says because she's been forgiven much she loves much she was so confident and so it's the expressiveness of joy and and so our worship that's one of our tests as to whether this is firing and functioning and it's also one of the things that worship renews in us as we like are enlarged in a worship service it's why we need corporate worship I've so missed like real live people here. I just want to tell you the first three weeks that I had to deliver a message to this empty room, I, I was just, it's horrible. Even though I know you, you could see me, but I need to see you and we need, we need to be together. Worship by the spirit of God. That's the first test. What's your freedom in worship? Is Jesus your temple, priest, sacrifice, ritual keeper? Is he your all? And it's, does he set you free? Second, glory in christ jesus this word glory is translated in some of the translations as boast in christ jesus and and what it means is the gospel humbles you to the floor but you know what humility is humility is not thinking less of yourself humility is thinking everything of jesus it's glorying in the person of jesus christ and what he has done he is your glory The old musical uh, Rent talked about, you know, one song glory, like the idea of an artist to like write this one song that the world is just amazed with and it's the one song glory. Jesus is the satisfier of our need for glory and we glory in Christ Jesus. So that's the second thing. Do you know Jesus in such a way that you glory in him, you boast in him, you rely and lean and you're satisfied that he has done it all, his person. And then the final test is this. You put no confidence in your flesh. Now, what does that mean, your flesh? In the New Testament, your flesh is your your nature untouched by the Spirit of God, and it's who you are apart from the Holy Spirit. It's all your abilities and assets apart from the working of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And here Paul says, put no confidence in who you are apart from the spirit of God and Jesus Christ. Put no confidence in that. Sometimes we talk about confidence votes. Now, confidence votes are a pretty low threshold, right? You have confidence in your doctor. Well, if you don't, you won't go to them, right? Confidence in the prime minister. He's on the way out, right? Um, confidence of the school board for a principal. Uh, well, <laughs> if that isn't there, he can't do his job. Um, Paul here is saying, and, and, and you know, and so to, uh, no confidence is kind of an insult. It's like, man that's like a big insult and it's a bigger insult the longer you've known someone and here he's saying to me and you the person you know best who you've done the most life with your flesh (laughs) what you know i want you to insult it i want you to give it a no confidence vote i want you to say there is nothing there (laughs) And, and so I've been carrying my flesh around for 56 years. I've been carrying my awareness of my flesh around for uh, almost 40 years, converted as a teen. And my flesh says, oh, come on. Haven't I done some good things for you? Hasn't willpower done it? Hasn't just powering through things? Hasn't just some of your native intuition and gifts done it? And um, Paul here says, nope, put zero confidence in in who you are apart from the Spirit of God. And you know what? That doesn't depress you. What it does is it elevates you because you replace self-confidence with Christ-confidence. And that's why Paul says in another letter, Colossians 1, he says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. (laughs) You are not just a sinner who can't trust yourself. You are a redeemed son and daughter of God. (laughs) You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are a brand new entity through the Spirit of God. And so you live out of that. And that is the place of your rejoicing. That's the evidence. And Paul says, this is accessible to you even when you're in, very, in the most difficult, dire circumstances. I saw a meme that I liked that said this. He says, I love it when people who have been through hell walk out of the flames carrying buckets of water for those still consumed by the fire. That's what Paul's doing for us. His life is preaching this to us, and you know whose life it's based on? The one he glories in, Jesus. Jesus is the one who ultimately went through the real fires for us, the fires of judgment, the damnation that we deserved, the disintegration that we deserved, the exposure and humiliation that we deserved, splayed out there on a cross, dying this criminal's death, absorbing it because What Hebrews 12 says, the joy set before him, which was in part the joy of our freedom, but I think mostly was the joy of bringing glory to his father in that moment. That was what he was accomplished. And so joy steeled Jesus in the hardest act of obedience by far, by an infinity that has ever been accomplished And then out of that, out of the flames of that, Jesus brings the water to us. I don't know what your flames are right now. I have some ideas. They may be related to COVID-19. They may not. I'll tell you, I've got them going on too. But you know what? Jesus is more than equal to the flames I have going on. And the command here to fuel my joy in him, to guard my joy from the joy stealers, and then to test it through my worship, through my glory, and through my insulting of my own flesh. No confidence in that, but Christ's confidence. It sets us free. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful to see these faces, mask and all. And I thank you, Lord, um, that the gospel has never been closed down or distanced from us. And in some ways, What we pray, Lord, is the light of the glory of who Jesus is that we have might shine in a greater, lustrous, attractive contrast. We pray um, these things for us in Jesus' name. Amen. For more ways to connect, visit our website at covenantdoestown.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.